Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are. Welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories slash Coffee with Cannon. This is my early show. You know, yesterday we, uh, well, actually it wasn't yesterday. It was, uh, it was, it was Tuesday, um, excuse me, Wednesday. The district attorney of Kern County, Cynthia uh, Zimmer, held a press conference and she told us some shocking news uh, in regards to Orin and Orson West. And we've all been following this case since the boys had been uh, reported missing. And I believe that was December 21st, 2020. So it's been quite a long time. And the news that she told us was that a full three months prior to the boys being reported missing, she believed that they were dead, that they were in fact deceased. I'm going to play a little bit of what she said in the press conference so you could hear it coming right from her from her mouth and this was a little bit um a little bit shocking to most of us that have been following this case no avail they were not located one week later crucial information came to light that necessitated the involvement of the bakersfield police department and the Kern County District Attorney's Office. Law enforcement worked diligently, hundreds of hours in the next 12 months, looking for the boys. This morning, I'm saddened to announce that the investigation has revealed that Oren and Orson West are deceased. The investigation has also revealed that they died three months before their adoptive parents reported them missing. However, I am pleased to announce that this week, the Kern County Grand Jury indicted Trezell and Jacqueline West, the adoptive parents, for the murder of Oren and Orson West. The indictment charges five counts. The first count is murder, charges them both with murder, with the victim being Orrin West. The second count charges murder, with the victim being Orson West. The third count charges felony child abuse against the person of Orrin West. The fourth count charges child abuse against the person of Orson West. And the fifth count charges um, false report of an emergency. Naturally, the first two counts carry the most time in state prison, murder. It is charged as murder in the second degree. That carries 15 years to life. But with two victims, the potential penalty or the maximum possible penalty, uh, if convicted, is 30 years to life for each defendant. Trizell and Jacqueline West. Now the grand jury indictment is a formal charging document and it we followed a process in charging them before the grand jury and that was the district attorney requested that the grand jury convene to hear evidence regarding an indictment that we presented them. The district attorney's office then presented information to the grand jury and uh, the grand jury found there was sufficient evidence 
to hold Trezell and Jacqueline West uh, responsible for these murders, and they returned what was called a true bill. So was, oftentimes we call it they were indicted, but what they did is returned a true bill on the indictment. Uh, Department One Superior Court judge issued warrants for the arrest of the defendants, and they were uh, arrested last night at about 7 p.m. in Kern County. They are currently in the Kern County Jail waiting for an arraignment on the indictment, which will be tomorrow. There will be no preliminary hearing in this case because an indictment is a substitute for a preliminary hearing, and this case will proceed directly to trial. The announcement of an indictment in this case probably raises a lot of questions, questions about the facts of the case and what you and the public would like to know. Um, I'm not permitted to go over the facts of the case in this case, um, but there is something that I'd like to discuss uh, because the facts of the case are to be uh, what we produce in the jury trial because we want both the prosecution and the defense to have a fair trial in this case. However, one of the questions that I'm sure you would like to know is, have the bodies of Orrin and Orson been found? And the answer to that is no. So, folks, I'm going to stop there. Uh, I'm very impressed with this district attorney, Cynthia Zimmer. She gave very concise, succinct, to the point, as much information as she could give without compromising the investigation. And one of the things, the questions that everyone has is, someone asked me today uh, in the chat from yesterday, um, did uh, Trezell and Jacqueline know that there was a grand jury proceeding? And the, the answer to that is no. Grand jury proceedings are secretive, and they don't disclose to the public that they're, uh, the information that they're seeking. They don't uh, disclose to the public the witnesses they have interviewed, witnesses that are interviewed are told not to talk about their testimony in front of the grand jury. The second big question that she answered there is, have the bodies of Orrin and Orson West been recovered? And the answer to that, of course, we know now is, is no. The bodies have not been recovered. And of course, this is a tragic thing, which leads us to the next question. Can uh, the district attorney get a, a, a conviction on this case without recovering the bodies? And that is a very, very interesting question. And the answer, of course, is yes, she can. And it's been done before, not just in Kern County, but in other jurisdictions across the United States. It's been done numerous times. Uh, so that, can you imagine if, if they weren't able to get murder convictions without recovering the bodies, everyone would, of course, get rid of uh, bodies in murder cases. So that is one of the reasons why, of course, and, and you may ask another good question and a big question is then how do they present this evidence and how do they get a murder conviction? I'm just putting up the, on the screen we have that billboard missing Warren and Austin and the award was up to $122,000. Um, I'm just, you know, I know this case is uh, 
very emotional for a lot of folks, a lot of folks on YouTube, a lot of folks um, that have been following this just all over the country, all over the world. I know Duty Ron, who's another content uh, creator on YouTube. He's made this case very personal. He uh, raised, in fact, he partially paid for this billboard. He contributed uh, to this billboard that, in the hopes that these two young boys would be found. And, you know, we were told Wednesday that that, in fact, was not going to happen because they they discovered, again, just think about this. They discovered this one week after, I believe, the date they were reported missing was December 21st, 2020. So they discovered the investigators from Bakersfield Police Department and the district attorney's office in Kern County discovered that the boys were in fact deceased one week after they were, were reported missing. So just think about the amount. This the, a picture on the screen. You're seeing uh, Trezell and Jacqueline at their arraignment, and that was on uh, Thursday, of course. And they were arraigned, and they both pled not guilty uh, at the arraignment. Um, so, what you may ask then, how is the district attorney's office? going to get a conviction against these two. Of course, they invoked counsel early on in this investigation, which that means is that they cannot be interviewed by law enforcement. They cannot be interviewed by the district attorney. So when you think about it, uh, they have to produce um, what's called direct and circumstantial evidence. And I'll, I'll read you the uh, the definition of what direct evidence. Direct evidence is evidence that, if believed, directly proves a fact. Usually a criminal case, direct evidence will be eyewitness testimony regarding something that was actually observed. Now, direct evidence, of course, is usually very, very strong evidence since it's the testimonial evidence of someone who is a potential witness in the case. Um uh, so it's uh, someone was saying. I was just about to read something in the chat, and I realized it had nothing to do with what I was just talking about. So uh, I'll I'll hold that till the end. Um, yeah. So the other thing is circumstantial evidence. We talk about circumstantial evidence, and circumstantial evidence is a picture, of course, of the boys on the screen. Circumstantial evidence is from which inferences are drawn. A person may infer. The existence or non-existence of another fact. You know, for example, a good uh, you could you could see someone come out from outside and they could be all wet, and you would infer that it was raining outside. But does that necessarily mean it was raining outside? No, not really. Someone could have poured a bucket of water on them or something. Even though that's sort of silly, but so that's you're inferring based on certain facts. But circumstantial evidence, which a lot of this case, I'm sure, will hinge upon, can be very, very powerful evidence, extremely powerful evidence, because when it's piled up on top and it gets higher and higher and higher, it can be very powerful, especially when juries here. You know, circumstantial evidence uh, in this case can just be the behavior of, of this couple, uh, their behavior when they reported the, uh, these boys missing. I'm going to show you a little um, a little file tape of this. And to me, it speaks volumes about them uh, because when I, you know, not that I'm an expert in body language, but I, I can read body language. 
And I think most of us can. And when you look at this here, you tell me, what does it say? One house, I came back out, I didn't see him now. Trizel West details the moment his two adopted boys, three-year-old Orson and four-year-old Orin, went missing Monday night from their California city home. Moments before, West says he was gathering wood to start a fire. I opened up the back gate. I'm throwing wood, bringing it inside the house. My wife's inside. She was actually wrapping gifts, so we thought it was a good idea. They, they got our youngest to go outside and play with chalk on the, the back patio. Shortly after, Wes says he no longer saw the boys on the patio. He asked his wife, Jacqueline, if she saw them. She said no. That's when he says panic set in. I realized that I left the gate open and I panicked, came inside the house, searched the house, me and my wife. Once that hadn't pan out, I got in the van. I looked down the street, most directions. It was getting dark, getting cold. West said he then called the police within minutes. Since then, California City Police, the FBI, and the Kern County Sheriff's Office have been investigating. Police searched the couple's home Tuesday night, then interviewed the couple at police headquarters. Meantime, multiple search efforts were launched, which continued Wednesday, including with the help of the boy's biological mother, Ryan Dean. She says she's worked hard to get her life on track and wanted to get custody of her boy's back eventually but now she thinks that will never happen and is blaming the adoptive parents they did something i feel like they did something and they know something they did something and i feel my kids is somewhere around here i can feel it and i feel like they're in the house and i feel like they did something trizelle and jacqueline say they understand the frustration he thinks you guys did something and that's understandable what's your, what's your response to that that's understandable i would think the same thing yep I mean, that's exactly the point point. and if we can find our find our babies then guess what that's that's no and that's all i want is to find our babies that's it some residents and family members of the boys would also get involved during the interview So, folks, as you could see, we talk about um, that. This, I would think that this tape will absolutely be used uh, in the trial. However, as we said, the district attorney reported in her press conference that a week after they reported them missing, they had found out that the boys had been dead for approximately three months. So it, it's just incredible. It's some of the other actions of Trezell, like searching for the boys for approximately 10 minutes. I mean, who would search for their boys for 10 minutes? Two little kids, four and three years old. I'd, I'd still be searching, you know? So that was uh, that was very strange, too. You know, and that's a picture of um, the district attorney on the scene, Cynthia Zimmer. So some of your questions are very good questions in the chat. How, in fact... Do they get a conviction for murder without a body being recovered? Um, and again, I, as I was talking about, was direct and, and circumstantial evidence. And some of the other things in this case, the evidence they have, obviously, there were four other kids in this household, two biological and two other adopted kids. After this occurred, they were taken into custody by Child Protective Services. That is probably the biggest part of the case is that um, they were interviewed at great length. And not only um, did they probably give up the parents as killing these kids, but they apparently took part in the abuse of these two poor little boys. Just it, It's just 
you can't even imagine this, the horror of this. So that 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 type of evidentiary evidence and um testimonial evidence by these kids is going to be you know the smoking gun the just the smoking gun to this case where it it's such strong evidence in you know some of the things i wrote down in regards to the evidence is of course the parents reaction to the missing their reaction when you watch that tape they could not look straight ahead and even though this was sort of the beginning of the covid um the covid pandemic they were outside there was really no need to be wearing those masks outside but i think those masks served mostly to attempt to hide their their feelings it didn't work because uh Trizel's body language and i said this yesterday is with his arms folded in front of him the whole time someone in the chat said oh, he was cold come on don't be ridiculous that's a clear sign of being defensive of crossing your arms and he he held his arms crossed the entire interview and that is a you know and I, as i said i'm no body language genius but you don't have to be a genius to see someone that's folding their arms in front of them uh as being defensive Yvette Burnett how were they able to adopt without the biological parents consenting or knowing about it. Don't you need signatures? I'm just so confused. I, I don't have any information that the, uh, that was, the, we saw on the screen was the mother of, um, of the boys. And of course she signed off on the, uh, on the adoption, but she apparently was, I, I don't know what her specific problems were, why she gave up her boys, but she was hoping at some point to get her life together and get them back. I don't know. Our whole history. Um, Marilyn Mineta, good afternoon, Bill. Have a wonderful weekend. This is terrible. How could anyone do this to a child? Were they foster parents or adoptive parents? Apparently, they were adoptive parents. These boys were adopted by them. They weren't forced to. I, I have a, a lot of questions, too, uh, in regards to that that haven't specifically been revealed uh, in this case. Like, I never understood what Trizel did he have a job? What was, what did he do for a living? That was never, uh, that really never came out. Another big part of, um, of this case is of course, results of interviews. And there's other people in this case that were lying about seeing these boys. Uh, if they were missing or if they were in fact dead three months before this, then I believe the grandparents said they saw them around Thanksgiving. That would have been impossible because they weren't alive. So people have asked me also in the chat, will other people be prosecuted for this case? And my answer to that is the district attorney, uh, Cynthia Zimmer, will be laser focused on getting a conviction on Trezell and Jacqueline. Um, the other family members may possibly be called as witnesses. They may be called up to the stand knowing that they're going to perjure themselves. And at a later date, they can be prosecuted. But I don't see the district attorney's office focusing on other people in this case until they secure convictions against uh, Trizel and Jacqueline. I think that that's the most important thing. Uh, Michelina Serino, she's focusing on his lead so she does not make any mistakes. Obviously, this is a rehearsed thing. You're talking about uh, 
Trizel and Jacqueline. Yes. I mean, Lisa Irwin, yes, classic and sincere. However, their their legal names um still, which was also on the uh information from the court, the indictments, was um of course Orin and Orson West. So I appreciate uh calling them by that other name. However, their legal names it was was still Orin and Orson. Um Rebecca H., I would sure hope so. So the grandparents have guilty knowledge. Obviously, if the grandma said she's seen the boys the 19th of December, which is an absolute lie if the boys were gone three months prior. Absolutely, Rebecca. But what we're looking at and what we're, we're, what the district attorney's office, of course, is going to focus on is getting uh, Trizel and Jacqueline convicted. And if other people go down during the course of this investigation, if they choose to pursue prosecution against them, they'll proceed after that. But the two most important people, of course, Trizel and Jacqueline, that the district attorney wants to get a conviction. Um, bodies not recovered, of course, uh, does not preclude a prosecution for murder. Uh, th this week on either Tuesday or Wednesday night, I'm going to have a former prosecutor from the Manhattan DA's office, his name is Dan Bibb. He did 26 years with the Manhattan DA's office. He's going to come on the show. I'm not sure if it's going to be Tuesday or Wednesday night. And he prosecuted the Bierenbaum case, and uh, Bierenbaum killed his wife. Uh, and they didn't, she was missing since 1985. And they didn't prosecute the case till the year 2000. And he apparently killed his wife, and he was a surgeon. He was a medical doctor, a surgeon. He strangled her, uh, put her in a duffel bag, threw her in the back trunk of his car, drove to a private airport, put her on his plane, drove over the Atlantic Ocean, and dumped her in the ocean. Her body had never has never been recovered, and that was the whole premise of the prosecution. However, they never, ever recovered the body but they did get a conviction. And Dr. Bierenbaum is, is now eligible for parole. And at his most recent parole hearing, admitted that he, in fact, had killed his wife, and he outlined exactly how he did it. Folks, this is, um, this is Police Off the Cuff, real crime stories of early, my early show, Coffee with Cannon. If you're not subscribed to our channel, Please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. And if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And you can also join us uh, on a part of our YouTube family. You can see all the folks in the chat with the green font. Uh, they're members of our YouTube, and we really appreciate their support. Uh, Country girl, yeah, poor innocent boys. They just needed love and care. That's 100% sure. That's for sure, you know. Uh, Pauline Buckles, yes. And I will, I'm going to have Dan Bibb on next week, either Tuesday or Wednesday uh, night, and I'll find out today, and I'll put a flyer out as to when. And he's going to talk about the Bierenbaum case, and he's going to talk about from the perspective of a prosecutor how do we get a conviction on a murder case without recovering the body? You know, and that's a question. I mean, you, on the screen, I have a picture of Trizel and his wife, Jacqueline, and, you know, with the underneath it says, where are the boys? And just in that picture itself, 
it catches a lot in their persona. It catches a lot in their body language. And um, they obviously had a lot to hide because they were hiding a murder, you know. And the fact that this happened three months before their reporting on, this was on December 21st, uh, 2020, it's sort of disturbing. Um, some of the other factors, evidentiary factors, are when was the last time that the boys were seen alive? These are some of the facts that the investigators will have from speaking to uh, people who, had, who saw them. Did the boys ever attend any nursery school? Did the boys ever go see a doctor? Those are the type of things that we can develop a timeline but it, it seems like the district attorney is pretty confident that they were killed three months before this. However, they're not going to, as I said, the grand jury proceedings are secretive. So they're not going to reveal that. Um, Rebecca H., family member who has a YouTube channel, has said that they have an eyewitness that Philip, the grandfather, helped remove the seat from the van when Trezell beat the boys bad enough to wet themselves. That's like all these horrible little uh, pieces of fact. They'll come out during this case. Um, it's it, it's what helps build a circumstantial case, uh, a circumstantial evidence case. Um, Sharon Marshall, I'm going to read what you wrote. Child trafficking ring. Apparently someone in the family worked for CPS. Trezell and Jacqueline seemed able to adopt children so easily. Other children adopted, forced by them, allegedly missing. Uh, Sharon, I don't know any other children that they adopted that were in fact missing. Uh, if that is the case, there's, we undoubtedly will find out about it. But what we're talking about... Uh, is this case, you know, and that's the most important thing. Uh, Marlene Barone, I would hope that if anyone connected to this and knows where the boys were buried, comes forward now for the boys to be properly laid to rest. Now, one of the things were when Trezell and uh, Jacqueline were arraigned, they both pled not guilty. So since there is no death penalty in California, um, they don't have that to hold over their head like if they got if they were convicted in a state that had the death penalty they would maybe plea bargain it to life in prison by saying um if you tell us where you buried the boys we'll make your sentence life in prison instead of the death penalty but they don't have that to bargain with because there is no death penalty in california uh Marilyn Landis, she had no transparency in that interview, so apparent of their guilt. Yeah, it, lo it looks that way, but, you know, one of the things that um, you guys may be, may be asking also is a thing called discovery, and I'm, I take for granted that most people know what that is, but if you don't know, I'm going to explain it to you. At some point, everything that the prosecution has, everything they have of an evidentiary nature, they have to turn over to the defense so that the defense can attempt to create, of course, a defense against um, the prosecutorial evidence and witnesses. When discovery is turned over is up to the prosecutor. Defense attorneys complain all the time that, you know, they'll say we're going to start the case tomorrow and the day before the prosecutor hands them, you know, 
10, M, 10 huge folders full of evidentiary material, which they cannot possibly go over in one day. So, of course, they um, uh, they asked for a uh, furtherance and pushed the case up for two or three months so they can, in fact, go over all the evidence. Alicia Lloyd, hi, Bill. Can you sus- uh, suspect what kind of direct and circumstantial evidence made the DA say the boys were dead three months before being reported missing. Alicia, I think, yes, I can. Uh, I think that the evidence is the testimony of the four kids, that not only were the, the little boys killed, that but they took part in it, which is just horrendous to imagine that they, these other boys took part in killing their little brothers. It's just it's beyond horrendous. You know, it's just, is totally, totally horrendous that this could have happened. But that's the type of circumstantial evidence I believe they have. I believe they also have, um, of course, computer evidence. They, they're going to have cell phone evidence, text message evidence, evidence of people who have and haven't seen uh, the boys. In I mean, when was the last time the boys were seen? That's very important evidence, right? Who was the last person to see them? Many people, I don't many, but some people lied that they saw them around Thanksgiving. It was impossible. They were dead, which the district attorney's office knows with their evidence that they're not revealing right now, that they know that to be a lie, and they know that the boys were, in fact, dead. Um, yeah, I think the most important evidence direct and circumstantial evidence is the testimony by the other children. And through when you get evidence of that nature, you can also verify it and run with the evidence and find, connect the dots to other pieces of evidence. Um, I spoke about tracking electronic devices, cell phones, potentially the car. Where was the car? It seems that the murders occurred in Bakersfield, not California um, California City. It seems like it happened in Bakersfield because the police department in Bakersfield is the lead agency. And of course, the district attorney in Kern County is the one that opened up the grand jury, and that's where the prosecution is going to take place. So we spoke about even their computers. We, they would check their computers, of course, their hard drives, uh, what kind of communications were over. Were they talking about or planning anything? What were they searching were they searching anything that would implicate them in trying to make a body decay or trying to get rid of a body without it being discovered? Um, and again, as I said, the one of the most important thing is the interview, the interviews with the other children. Uh, I think that's probably the smoking gun, and that's that's the, the part I think that this entire case is probably predicated on is the testimonial evidence that the other four children uh, supplied. And as I said, once you have testimonial evidence, you can act upon the things that these boys told you. And of course, a deeper dive into the adoption, a deeper dive into um, what Trezell and Jacqueline were doing in the days and months prior to them reporting the boys missing. Um, All of that stuff is, is super, super important. 
And as I said, um, I'm going to have a district attorney on next week. His name is Dan Bibb. And he's going to talk about uh, what is the necessary things to do in a prosecution in order to secure a conviction in a homicide case with no body recovered. Very, very, very important. Um, again, on the screen, we have the picture of those two boys. Uh, and this was the haunting billboard that was uh, over the road in California City, which people had been looking at uh, for, what, 16 months in regards to these two missing boys. Uh, again, Duty Ron uh, ran with this case a great deal. Um, he contributed a lot of money to the billboard and to, to uh, trying to find this these two boys and tr raise awareness and to get people involved in the search. I mean, just think about all the people that volunteered to do the search while these two on the screen now, Trezell and Jacqueline, were lying about the fact that these boys were missing when, in fact, they were dead. I mean... How does that make everyone, I mean, it's just its just horrendous. Everyone feel that, you know, put their heart and soul in hope and prayers that these boys would be recovered when they were just, uh, they were dead all along, you know. Three months prior to December 21st, 2020, they had in fact been deceased. And that's according to the prosecutor. Cynthia Zimmer, uh, very able prosecutor, very smart prosecutor. She seems like she really knows her stuff. And, and her office has had, uh, in Kern County, has had two successful murder prosecutions without bodies being recovered. So it's not something that there, uh, that's never happened in Kern County. As I said, it's happened, uh, all over this country, and I'm going to bring in um, former assistant district attorney Dan Bibb on Tuesday or Wednesday night. He's from Manhattan County, was a Manhattan DA. That's New York City for uh, over 26 years, one of the best prosecutors I ever met. Um, so it's um, that's that's the answer to all of that. You know, did uh, Marilyn Landis, did they both have military background? backgrounds i think trizel was military marilyn i don't know the answer to that question uh be kind same thing they did to those babies should be done to those monsters or worse these defenseless babies oh my god you, you know we agree um we totally agree it's um it's it's just it's just crazy it's just totally crazy that this could have happened and you know we we always look for reasons why the why this happened, and could it be prevented in the future? And hopefully you can prevent this in the future by vetting the people that become adoptive parents as well as foster parents. And uh, that's, you know, I can't Monday morning quarterback on that, but that's, uh, you know, and as I said, I know duty, Ron, my compadre, my fellow NYPD detective, uh, He's covered this case more than anyone else, and he put a lot into this case. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, we just now hope and pray that the district attorney gets a um, conviction on these two because um, if anyone deserves it, it's these two. Just think of how devious, diabolical, just how, you know, how they hid all this stuff and how they tried to send law enforcement on a wild goose chase, other people searching for these two boys, a little cute little boys, four and three years old, Orin and Orson West, just just incredibly, you know, it, it, it doesn't get, look, I worked a lot of um, child murders as a boss, a sergeant on Manhattan North Homicide Squad, and there's nothing more difficult than a child murder. It just rips your heart out, and um, it's 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 a tough thing to deal with. It really is, you know, and um, hopefully this uh, DA Cynthia Zimmer is going to get a conviction on uh, on these two. And um, that's all we can hope for right now. That's all we can hope to pray. The boys are no longer with us. And I know a lot of you folks uh, hoped and prayed that they would be recovered alive. And we we all did. And uh, we were all hoping the same thing. So again, folks, again, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories slash Coffee with Cannon. If you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Ring that bell. Give us a thumbs up. and. if you want to join our Patreon or our uh, Moonlight View, thanks as a new member. I, so I reached someone. I reached one person in the chat. Thank you, Moonlight View, for uh, becoming a new member of the uh, Police Off the Cuff family. So, folks, I'll see you Monday night when I have Tom Delgado on, who is a New York City comic tour guy, and he's going to tell us all about the darker side of New York City in his work as a, as a tour guide. Um this case is going to be, we're going to continue to follow this case, of course. And uh, I just want to thank all you guys for listening and coming in to watch Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. Folks, have a great day and stay safe. One episode, just ain't enough.